Hey, good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. So, regardless if you're a first time home buyer or even a repeat buyer looking to move up or even possibly downsize, we discuss the current market trends and the important topics that you need to know before you buy, sell, or refinance your home. I'm your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. David Lukey from Capital Homes. How are you, sir? Excellent. How are you doing this morning? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And Mr. JT behind the glass, how are you, man? Hey, doing good, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm alive. That's good. I'm alive and kicking, and being, that's good. Being above ground is always better than being it below. Is always a good thing. <laughs> always a good thing. Hey, we've got a phenomenal show today on deck for you guys. But before we jump into today's show, I want to just remind everybody out there, if you're tuning in for the first time or maybe even a repeat listener, you can go out to the moneymanmike.net website or even Facebook and go to Money Man Mike Radio. And you can see and look at and listen to all of our previous shows. And what a lot of people don't realize is even though this is over the radio, we record video. And we publish all those videos. Good and to some, see my handsome face. Yes. It's a little stud muffin over there, man. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> you go out to the website and judge for yourself. But uh, actually, you could go out there and see Andrew doing her. Ooh, 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 ooh. Absolutely. I, it's worth it just to see that. Oh, yes. It is absolutely, absolutely. worth it. But the point being is if you missed any of the previous shows, check out the website, moneymanmike.net, or out on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. Catch up on the stuff plus a bunch of uh, additional resources and everything else that we talk about on the show. But as far as today's show, we are going to cover two very important topics and then maybe fill in our fourth segment with some more uh, general stuff for you as a consumer. But our first uh, topic we're going to get into is the jobs reports Yes, from last week. And then we're also going to talk with David Heller, who joins us from Martin Heller. Pat- I, always, I knew I was going to say this wrong. Help me out there, Patampa. Patempa. I'm terrible with names, so I, I apologize in advance. And Shepard. And we're going to talk about all sorts of real estate things that everybody needs to know, but yet hardly anybody has ever done. So a very, very important segment with uh, David come up in our second segment. But the jobs report from last week. Yeah, a week ago Friday, it was a soft number. Yes. 38. They were expecting 132. I think yes. it was 38,000. And, and it, it's oddly enough... You know, th- there's two interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. One is the hand wringing, the economy's falling apart, and then the other one is, well, unemployment is already four point something percent. I think the headline number was four point seven percent. People want to talk about the job participation rate. Yep. The, one of the things that was true was that number was light by another thirty eight thousand. I think it was because of the um, Verizon strike. There's a strike going on. People trying to get paid a little bit more, mm-hmm. and so that cut that number in half, which still would have been a light number. Right. Eighty six thousand still would have been a light number, but unemployment is so low. But the thing that is true, and this is great news for our listeners, is a light employment number like that is going to give the Federal Reserve a little more room to not raise rates as aggressively or not raise rates at all. Don't know what they're going to do yet. They can't raise them, my opinion. I I, I don't think your opinion is all alone. (laughs) It's not, no. (laughs) I think a lot of people agree with you, and it certainly is is going to give them the latitude to not raise rates. Right. Whether they take it or not, it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of ways, the jobs number was great news 
because unemployment came down. And now people want to talk about the participation rate. Right. Okay. So now everybody send your hate emails to capitalhomeideas.com. <laughs> That's my email. Just go on there to come, you know, go down and send me a note. Tell me what an idiot and I am. If you can't remember that, go out to Facebook or out yeah, to the website absolutely. and you'll find it all there. So I'm going to say something that I know that some people are going to say, oh my goodness. Come on. Okay. Hit us with it. The Affordable Care Act has made it possible for more mothers to stay at home, more people to start new businesses because they can get health insurance. It used to be that perhaps one of the two spouses would continue on a job that they didn't want to continue on so that their spouse could go start a new business, but they would get health insurance for the whole family, existing conditions and so forth. And more and more people are realizing we don't need to do that. My spouse can go start a new business. We can still get insurance through the exchange, through the Mm -hmm. federal exchange, and and start our business. And I can stay home with the kids or, you know, right. either one of them can stay home with the kids or help with the business. They don't have to one stay on the job and the other one uh, right. go work. Yeah. And so I think that that's part of it. Also, clearly the employee, you know, the participation rate is dropping fast because the baby boomer generation is getting older. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And so they're, they're retiring a little younger. Some of them, a percentage of them are retiring young because they can. They, they've got enough wealth. The True. stock market has done so well for them in right. the last five years that they can go ahead and retire. And, you know, there's only so many jobs you can add when the unemployment rate is 4.7%. Now, Chris isn't here today. Uh, just coming back from Hawaii yesterday, I think. He sucks. We don't like Chris uh, right now. He's, but he's nice and hungover <laughs> from the flight. So we'll, 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 we'll have to get his dive pictures and everything else. I think we've got to call him right now. We Wake should. him up. Because you know he just got off that plane. You know the wife is going to be mad. <laughs> <eat it>. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but with that said, him and I are in the same boat. Try to hire somebody. Try to find somebody that you can hire. It's hard. And you can't say, well... You can only not find people who are educated and so forth mm-hmm. to do the kind. I I can't find laborers. I can, I can totally see that. I, I put a post on Craig's book, Craig's Craig list for a laborer, and, and I'll I'll I'm I'll fill it the next day, and then they're done. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's because uh, unemployment is just that low. And just kind of change the subject, but yet on the same subject at the same time. I guess I was talking with a guy uh, yesterday, and he does his home re, uh, home remodeling and investments and flips and so forth. And he was talking about drywall. He said it used to be able to you get a fourteen foot or fourteen dollars a square foot or whatever the rate, however the you guys dollars a board, yeah. Board. Mm-hmm. He said now it's like twenty eight to thirty, and you can't get anybody. Yeah. If you can't turn a serious quantity of boards, like we do, right, right, the little guys are totally getting squeezed because I'm gonna I'm gonna hang two hundred two hundred twenty boards a house, right? right, and so they come out for sixteen or seventeen dollars a board. Right for two hundred and twenty boards, and then the the remodeler calls him up and says, "I got fifty boards to hang." Right. Well, he can hang the same number of board in the same day. It's mm-hmm. not like you know he's going to work a ten hour day or or a five hour day. He's not going to get to hang two houses. Right. So he's going to do two twenty. Exactly. He's not going to do fifty. Or you pay me more to do your smaller job. That's right. Yeah, and it's pay a big squeeze. It's and the labor is tight. It's yeah. labor is very tight. Yeah, it's whether you agree with David or not. I mean, he makes a very very valid point, but. Don't I don't bother Mike. Just email me. Okay? <laughs> Hate ideas. mails to David. But now the, the the jobs report. David hit on very several very good things. But uh, we'll pick up on this real quick uh, in the start of our second segment, and then we'll bring Mr. David Heller in to discuss a bunch of very important topics that you guys need to know. Been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio fifteen ten WLAC. We'll be right back. Uh, uh, uh. 
Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Men Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. Before our break, we were talking about the unemployment, the jobs report, and a few things I want to give you guys before we jump into our conversation with Mr. David Heller is the Fed is raising short-term rates. Yeah. It has nothing to do with mortgages as far as you think. And when the Fed actually and historically has raised rates, short-term rates, that is, it's benefited mortgage rates. Mortgage rates have gone down. But I seriously doubt that they're going to do any kind of raise anytime soon because their um, PCE, their core inflation number that they always like to look at, along with the payroll num- I mean, the jobs report payroll numbers and so forth, they're nowhere close to their thresholds So of what, what they want. What happened to bonds after Friday's report? They shot up. So rates push down. rates down. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just just the expectation of what's going to happen going forward is helping the mor- uh, mortgage market. So, enough of that. If you got any more questions, reach out to us or check out the website. You get moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. And without further ado, we have Mr. David Heller here with us. And he is, actually before I butcher his partner's name again, I'm going to break this up into a couple different segments. He is with Martin Heller. Potempa. And Shepard. And they are attorneys at law here in Nashville. And they take care of estate planning, family law, and a bunch of other different areas of law from personal injury and so forth. But the biggest thing that we want to touch on today is the estate planning. Because so many people do not understand how that impacts them, much less all the other things that you need to have an attorney involved with, with a real estate transaction. I mean, it's it's from start to finish, being a first-time home buyer at 20, 21 years old. But then when we pass away, I mean, there's so much stuff that happens in between that you need to have your house in order. And as David and I like to say sometimes, are you playing checkers or chess? And if you're not playing chess with your biggest asset or chances are your biggest asset, you're honestly quite foolish. So I want David Heller real quick just to say a few things about himself. How long have you been an attorney? How long have you been with the firm? Um, Married, kids? Just let the listeners know a little bit about you. Married, yes. Mm -hmm. Three kids. Uh, Daughters, 17, 19, almost 21. Wow. I spend a lot of time at the office. <laughs> I cut the grass every weekend, even during the drought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, been an attorney for a little over 20 years, and uh, the firm uh, has been together almost three years. Cool. And one of his daughters goes to the University of Maryland. Yes. Just so everybody knows. Yes. University. Fear the turtle. Fear the turtle. Yeah, baby. Love the turtle. Not everybody loves their their logos and the helmets or the the jerseys and all that stuff, but it's different. It's unique. But fear the turtle. Fear the turtle, baby. Turtle. I like turtle. (laughs) Terrapins. Boom. Mr. Frank Wycheck loves the Maryland Terrapins. Or Terrapins. Is it Terrapins or Terrapins? Terrapins. Terrapins. That's what I was thinking. Man, let's talk about things that people need to know when they're a homeowner. You know, from your point of view, you know, there's so many different things that we hear about in the news. We hear about, you know, family members going through stuff. But, you know, simple things like probate. Most people don't even know what in the world probate is, how it works, why it works the way it does, what it's for, what it does. I mean, what 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 is probate and why what can a homeowner do 
to prevent probate. Okay. So the first thing you have to understand is that assets, whether it's real estate, investments, bank accounts, assets can pass in any of four or five ways when someone dies. Okay. Probate is just one of them. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about real estate specifically. Your uh, real estate can pass by way of a deed. You could right. have it in your deed that when I pass away, here it goes to my heirs or a certain individual. You could, uh, a married couple owns real estate, uh, what's called tenants by the entireties, mm-hmm. which has a right of survivorship. One of you dies by operation of law, the other person automatically owns it. Okay. Third way is a trust. You could create a trust, put your real estate in the trust, and when you pass away, it will pass however that trust says it's supposed to pass. Okay. The fourth way is by way of a will. Right. Uh, which is what probate is. Okay. Now, you can die without a will, which is called intestate. Okay. So, probate is the process of when something passes by way of a will, so it's not in a trust, it's not jointly owned, it passes uh, through the probate process. And the probate process is when the court is involved to make sure that the decedent's debts are paid and the assets go to the people that they're supposed to go to. Okay. So many clients like to avoid probate. They don't want to go to court. They don't want to have the expense. And the other issue nowadays is a lot of our clients with the internet, everything that goes through probate is pretty much a public document. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets to see what you have, who it goes to, how much Mm -hmm. it was, and they prefer to keep those things private. So more and more clients are going through trusts to transfer their wealth because a trust does not get filed. A trust does not go through probate. Uh, So you can do the whole thing without court. You can do the whole thing without the expense. It's usually easier to transfer things with a trust uh, than going through probate. What, David, you look like you had a question. Well, I was going to, I was kind of going through the four things. You talked a little bit about transferring stuff through a deed. Um, Explain when is that a good idea and, and, Give us just more details okay. on that. Well, in my opinion, never. Okay, good. Uh, and, and like, for instance, sometimes we'll have clients come in and they will want to do a life estate. Okay. Uh, we see this with married couples. Now, the life estate in, to us is a fairly antiquated idea. The life estate was when I die, I'm going to create, an, a, for lack of a better term, a state for my spouse. Mm-hmm for his or her lifetime, where they get to live in the house, and upon their death, then it would pass to what would be technically the remainder men. They're fairly inflexible. A trust is a much better way to do that. Why is that? For instance, if with a trust, if the person has to go into the nursing home, it's much easier to deal with the house. Do we sell it? Do we rent it out? Mm. What do we do with it? Where a life estate is really based on their life. They may be living, and if you want to do anything differently, you now have to get everybody to agree, all the remaindermen and the person mm. who is the uh, life estate beneficiary. Maybe they have a conservatorship because they're incapacitated because and they're in a nursing home. Now that person's involved. So it's much easier and more flexible if you have a trust, and now the trustee, the person who's in charge, can handle all the details of what happens with the house. We see this a lot with second marriages, where someone will come into a marriage, one of them will own the house, the other one will move in, they do not, and they say, 
well, if I die, I don't want my spouse getting kicked out of the house. Right. But on the other hand, when he or she vacates the house, decides to just move out somewhere, move to Florida, buy a condo, have to go into an independent living or the nursing home, okay. at that point, I want the house to now go to my kids. So, so you're talking about somebody, and we'll have to pick this up in the next segment, but we're talking about if you somebody older who has adult children, Mm-hmm. And they want to make sure that their estate, because they're getting married in their 60s or 70s or whatever, that their estate goes to their kids, but they at the same time don't want to put their second spouse out in the street. Yes. The trust is the way to go. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's that's new information for I've me always too. thought just you put the, put the living will together and your estate and everything else, you let it go and that's the way it is. But Well, actually, living will is a medical document. Well, that's true too. That's true. Thank you for the correction on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to come over to you and see and get some brushing up of my own stuff. I think we got some more questions after this. <laughs> yes, break. we do. Hey, we got to jump out to the break, but uh, you're listening to the Money Men Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. Well, we are talking all things real estate and a bunch of legal stuff today. And, man, we went for probably, gosh, I don't know how long we went for during our break there. Jimmy basically riled us, or rounded us back up and said, hey, we got to get back on the air. But some great conversations that we want to basically rehash or, or go over again. And, Jimmy, what was the question that you asked David during the break? Okay, you have a, a married couple, and they both have wills leaving all their property to each other. One of them passes. Uh, and their, their their home is in both names. So does does the will need to be probated, or does it automatically go to the wife and say the husband dies first? Okay. The answer is... It depends. It depends. <laughs> okay, in the state of Tennessee. Right. They teach us the first day of law school to answer to every question is it depends. So God help let me... Yes. So let's take your, let's take your situation. Mm-hmm. With regard to the real estate... It will not have to go through probate because presumably they bought it as a married couple. It is titled jointly. They have what's called a right of survivorship. One of them dies. The other automatically owns the house. Now, the will may still need to be probated if the decedent had assets in his or her own name that have to pass through to the survivor. But in this situation, the house itself would not have to go through probate. Hmm. That doesn't mean the probate isn't necessary for other assets, just the house mm-hmm. won't need it. Right. Now, when the survivor dies, then it will pass to the kids. Again, it may not need to go through probate. Tennessee has a law that says real estate will vest ownership immediately upon death. So again, we have in this situation two possibilities. Uh, the survivor has a will, and it will vest immediately in the people that the will says it goes to. So for slower people like me, vest, what's vest mean? Vest means their their ownership is created in the house. Okay. Okay. So let's just say mom and dad have two kids, and they have named the son as the executor of the will, and but for whatever reason, in the will, the house goes to the daughter. Mm-hmm. Dad dies. Because it was jointly owned, it automatically went to mom. You didn't have to probate. Mom dies later. Immediately upon mom's death, because in the will, it went to the daughter. The daughter is the owner. They go to probate. 
Son is the executor of the estate. He's in charge of things. So what this means is, and this is where people have to understand, the house, they want a daughter wants to sell the house. Who has the authority to hire the realtor, sign all the documents? Executor. No. No. He, even though he's the executor, but right. she's the owner. Because the house immediately vested in her ownership. So it's her house. She's hmm. the one who signs things. So we get that call all the time. The executor thinks they're in charge. Now, in Tennessee, what often happens is you can put a paragraph in your will that says all real property is to be treated as a probate asset. And in that case, yes, the executor would have the authority to now tr do all transactions for that house. That, Most estates do not have that provision. That's where it all depends comes from, David. Yes. That's exactly right. It, which I, I mean, that we joke about it, but it depends on how it's worded. I mean, same way in our business. I mean, worded oh, yeah. and phrasing is everything. Right. So what we what we often have is we'll get a family with four, five, six kids, mm -hmm. and mom and dad are now gone, and uh, one of them is named as the executor, and there isn't this paragraph that says the house is part of the probate estate. All six kids own that house equally. And now when you need to sell it and you uh. go to closing, you need to get their um, uh, all. Okay, so quick story. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Quick story. Lady died, no children. Her will left it to various uh, nephews and nieces and a 1% interest to a charity. Not named? No. She named, there was a charity that was named. But they had to go. But she was in charge of her parents' estate. She died before it was closed, so she was going to inherit a one-eighth interest in a $90,000 house. Oh, she died before the closing, so now we have this charity that owns a 1% interest in this one-eighth interest in a $90,000 oh, house. Wow. And we had, we had to get them all to sign uh, a limited power of attorney to right. allow someone else. Otherwise, every person who has an interest in that house, no matter how small— has to come to the table at closing and sign those documents. Wow. Jeez. That's why. I don't know that my calculator can divide that low. I was about to say. Man. Yeah, I mean, how many of them just said, yeah, you know what? I don't care. Just take it. None. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, I think. Here, the, take my 5000 I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth my time to travel. Right. And, and, and so, what we, and we've had families come in where they didn't go through the proper titling process. House is now still technically owned by maybe grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. And now we are searching for cousins who might live in right. different states who have died. Mm -hmm. And now we need to know who owned their interest because did they die with a will? Did they die without a will? And so I think the biggest fraction we had was one, one over one, 122. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> for, wow. And, it, and it's very difficult to try to figure out exactly – because uh, you guys from the real estate, you know everybody has to sign who has a an interest. So, I was so just thinking that, man. Isn't part of the solution to only have one child? <laughs> right. or, or use a trust because a trust, the trustee is the person who's going to be in charge regardless of how many ah. kids you have or how, how much you've divided it up. See, I wanted to come back to that. So, I mean, that's a perfect, perfect segue back to – why you love or prefer a trust versus the traditional will that everyone's used to. Okay. I know one of the reasons why. 
Because a trust is private. It's not public knowledge. We discussed that. That's correct. Also, the other issue is, okay, so most of our clients come in and they say they want to make sure everything stays in the family. Okay. Okay. I die. My wife gets remarried. I want to make sure her new husband can't get this. Okay. Okay. Well, if I just simply had a will and she got it. It's hers. Mm -hmm. She could put his name on the deed. She could do a will that leaves it to her new husband. And in Tennessee, as in most states, you can't disinherit your spouse. Right. So I die. My wife gets remarried. She has a will that leaves it to my children. She dies later. He can come into court and the judge will ask him two questions. Were you married to her when she died? Yes. Did you guys sign a prenup? No, we didn't do that. It's asked. End of discussion. He is entitled to a portion of what my wife would, my kids would receive mm-hmm. under the will. And the way it works in Tennessee is called electing against the will. It's uh, if they're married less than three years, even a day, he's entitled to 10%. Three to six years of marriage is 20%. Six to nine years is 30. And if they're married more than nine years, he's entitled to 40% of everything that my kids would otherwise would have inherited under the will, which includes the house. That's got to be the catalyst for all the horror stories you hear about in the news or yes, absolutely. about everything. You know, and we were a joking. trust prevents that from happening. We, we were joking about how small of an amount somebody would care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you, I've seen people get tied up in knots over a couple hundred dollars. Mm. It's insane. I mean, it's just like, wow. So how can you possibly care that much? Mm-hmm. But they do. They, they, it's, you know, it's theirs. It's not yours. You didn't earn anything. Right. It was, oh, it's mine. I'm sure you've seen that, David, haven't you? Oh, all the time. An entitlement with the kids. So the next issue is when things pass to the kids, how the trust can help to prevent them, make sure they don't lose the money through a divorce or a creditor and things like that. Clients want things to go from them to the kids to the grandkids. And we're going to pick up right there when we come back from the break. You're listening to Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We are talking all things real estate and legal today. We have Mr. David Lukey in the house from Capital Homes and David Heller in from Barton Heller, Potempa, and Shepherd. Bingo, because otherwise I butcher Poteta. Potempa. Potempa, see, just Still like did I did it. right there. I am terrible with names and admit it. But we, uh, we left off at our last segment, um, or previous segment, I should say. Um, talking about all sorts of different things. But this this fourth and final segment today, we want to go back into the present today. How do you protect your assets? How do you ensure things go where you intend them to go in the most economical and efficient way to go? And, you know, you know a lot of people don't like talking to an attorney, but I can tell you right now, you need to call David because this has been so easy. And the way he's been explaining it is just – Unbelievable. So if you don't have um, – we don't have uh, David's information on the website today, but it will be there soon. Otherwise, 615-800-6812, David Heller, 600, uh, 615-800-6812, and then we'll have his contact information on the website here in a couple days. But let's get pick, pick, uh, pick, up, yeah, pick back up where we were and just what does somebody need to do? to protect their assets today, 
get things effectively planned, using the trust and everything else to ensure an easy and efficient transfer. Okay, so we talked last segment about protecting from a new spouse. Right. And, you know, we have this aging population, people living a lot longer. I have clients in their 70s and 80s who are getting remarried, but they want to make sure that the the assets, which of course the house is often one of the major assets that mm-hmm. they bring to the relationship, still passes uh, when the last of the couple pa- dies back to the side they want it to go to. So a trust is the best vehicle to do that. The next thing the clients talk about is passing it down to the kids. And usually sometime during our meeting with a client, I will kind of lean over the table and lower my voice in sort of a hushed conspiratorial tone. <laughs> and I say, um, how do you like your son-in-law? <laughs> and if there's any hesitation where they go, um, I say, nope. that's all I needed to hear. Yep, nope. you, didn't, you didn't jump out of your chair saying, you know, we love her more than our own daughter. Right. And so most of the clients come in and they will say they want things to pass from them to their children to their grandchildren. They may adore their son-in-law, but they don't know who their daughter's gonna be married to when she's 80 years old. And so they wanna make sure the wealth they have, and and many times it doesn't matter how much, they've worked hard for it, for whatever they've accumulated. They wanna make sure it will benefit the people that they care about. Their wealth isn't going to simply dissipate into thin air. Someone's going to be able to take a vacation. Someone's going to be able to send their children to school. Someone's going to be able to buy a car on the wealth they worked hard to accumulate. So they want to make sure it goes to the right people. Let me stop and interject one question. Because I think one thing I've learned out of all this today is if you had a regular will, it's it's etched in stone. It is what it is. The people that are named, that's the way it's going to go. Whereas with a trust, you don't know what's going to happen and heck, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, so A trust is more flexible. Now, you could have a will that says, when I pass away, create a trust. But now you've still had to go through the whole probate process in order to get to that point. And it's a public document. It's no longer private. Having a trust from the, from the beginning works a lot better. And there are many, many types of trusts. There are trusts that are used for um, certain people uh, – have disabilities, that they are able to receive government assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times that is resource-based. So if a child inherits uh, any amount of wealth, they would then be disqualified. And so there's something called a special needs trust where you can pass assets into this trust. It can be used for that individual, but not in a way that would disqualify them from continuing to receive uh, government assistance. There are trusts that you can set up to protect from creditors. There are trusts that you can set up to help protect from taxes, Um, sometimes capital gains tax, but certainly Mm -hmm. estate taxes. There are trusts you can set up to make sure, kind of what we're talking about earlier, that other family members or other outsiders don't come in. So most of our clients will use a trust and say, when I pass, everything goes to my spouse in a trust. Mm -hmm. He or she can use that however they want, but at the end of the day, a new spouse can't come in and get anything. Right. And then when they die, it passes to the kids in a trust. Oftentimes, the children are in charge of the trust themselves. So again, they can use the money however they want. But oftentimes, because of the trust, if that child gets divorced, in-law can't touch it because it's in a trust. Right. If the person had received their portion of the inheritance, it's possible that they could lose half of it in a 
in a divorce. Right. Um, or many times the clients will say, I don't want my daughter dying and she has a will that gives it to my son-in-law. She can do whatever she wants with her stuff. Our stuff stays in the family. So the trust is the mechanism that makes sure that the assets stay in the family. We have some clients that don't want their children to get a bunch of money uh, just handed out to them. They want to hold it and protect it right, right. and make sure it's used for them. So again, those are all a lot of the reasons that the trusts are used by the families to keep things. If you pass real estate, I'm going to interrupt you, David, but if you mm-hmm. pass real estate to some anybody in a trust, can that person use the, the real estate in that trust as security for a loan? If the trust is written that way, yes. Got it. Okay. So let's get back to one of the things you just mentioned, can that person. So there's three people really involved in the trust. And the two that we're concerned about is the trustee, that's the person in charge. If the trust analogy is like a business or a company, that would be the president of the company. The trustee is able to decide to buy something, sell something, totally in charge. The other is the beneficiary. They get the benefit of what's in the trust. Oftentimes, parents will have their child be both the trustee and one of the beneficiaries. So what we'll have is the parent will say, my child will be the trustee and the beneficiaries will be my child and his or her descendants. And so now that one person can decide to buy or sell and live in the house or do whatever they want to with it, just as if they had essentially been handed it to them outside of a trust. So you could effectively... David and I could effectively draw up a trust for our families and just by using descendants and basically drive that trust or our will decades and generations into the future. Potentially, there are limits as to how long you can have a trust. There's, a, a, there's an old arcane rule called the rule against perpetuities. Tennessee has, in some instances, gotten rid of that rule. There's an interaction between uh, having a trust go for potentially several hundred years and some tax laws. So, But yes, you could have a go potentially for several generations. Uh, and, and we tell clients all the time, don't take anything out of your trust unless you're going to consume it. You're going to eat it, drink it, wear it, drive it, vacation it, educate it. You want to buy a condo at the beach? Have your trust buy it. Ten years later, when you sell the condo, the check is written to the trust. It gets deposited into a trust account, and now you decide to do something else with it. We tell this to the children, the kids, uh, the parents' children. It's like they have their own little private investment company, and mm-hmm. as long as they keep it in the trust, they can uh, do. No one can take it away from them. So, Mike, you may not know the answer to this, but if if somebody owns a house within a trust, it's just somebody's the both the um, trustee, trustee, and the uh, beneficiary, beneficiary of a piece of property in a trust, can they get a loan against that property? To my knowledge, under Fannie and Freddie rules, along with FHA and VA, no, but under banking portfolio, probably yeah. Because well, the biggest thing we're going to look for is credit, and technically the trust doesn't have credit. Well, and again, from our perspective, the trust perspective, the trust document will allow the trustee to pledge that real estate as security, as collateral. Now, if it's the lending people who have an issue with it, I don't know. But from the trust perspective, if the trust is drawn properly, then they can go ahead and pledge that piece of real estate for the loan. So that goes to kind of what you're saying, a bank loan probably, but 
probably not a secondary loan, like a yeah. Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inquire about that because that's not a very common thing. But it, heck, the way you just explained it, why wouldn't? Why don't we see it more often? Because I mean, it's brought way to. I bet the guarantor is the hangout. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Guys, we've got to cut it there, man. We're Jimmy's kicking us out, man. He says we got to go. We don't have to go home, but we got to go. Been listening to Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Go out to the internet, moneymanmike.net, Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio. Have a great weekend.